welcome back to the Thundersticks podcast. I'm your host, Ben Kreider, and today we are going to be talking about Isaiah Joe and his emergence on the team. Kind of that ripple effect of how that works under Mark Dagnall's rotation. And I also want to talk about the Thunder's last two games going up against the Denver Nuggets and the Chicago Bulls. That one. Getting into things, though. Isaiah Joe has been on a tear. I'm putting you guys on a little bit of a cliffhanger. I'm going to get to Isaiah Joe in a bit. But he has been on fire. I think most recently we have been able to see like see his ability uh, over these previous two games. Now, going into this you know stretch, Joe has been productive and they signed him initially, you know, with the idea of kind of being that fourth or fifth guard. I think with J Dub, initially he's kind of that two guard that rounds it out, but he's been used kind of as a flex between the backcourt and front court. So there is a tad bit of an opening that's going to be with guys like SGA, Josh Giddy, and Trey Mann. So he's worked his way into a role, but it's not always consistent. He had that major game back in October where he had 15 points in nine minutes. NBA record for plus minus in a nine minute span there. Uh, and then he kind of just got moved in between playing two minutes to like 15 over and over. Uh, we started to see some solid minutes from him though particularly against the Denver Nuggets. And this one came at home for the Thunder here. And the Nuggets, I mean, they came in a little bit battle-scarred. They did not have Jamal Murray in this contest. They did not have Michael Porter Jr. in this contest. They roll out a lineup of Bruce Brown, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Devon Reed, Aaron Gordon, and Nikola Jokic as your starting five. So you have some respectable pieces here. Aaron Gordon, he's been a very good player, and two-time MVP Nikola Jokic as well. Uh, but this is a game, we're looking at it, and OKC's lens is one that you can actually grab, because for the Thunder, they really didn't have that many injuries on top for them. They had their typical assignees, and that's about it. SGA, Giddy, Dort, Poku, and JRE ready for 48 minutes of basketball. It's ended up being a very good one and going into the first quarter of things you really saw the interior play show off Nikola Jokic had 14 points OKC had 21 points in the frame so the Nuggets had a 14 point 38 to 21 lead so excuse me 17 points but you guys get it I mean it was a straight up blowout to start things out and how do you do it it's through working around the interior the Thunder do not have a traditional five when you take guys like Jay Will and Chet Holmgren out of the picture. Your best option, resting a guy like JRE, who we saw last year hold up to some extent, but he's not a true five. He's a small ball five. Alexei Pokushevsky at seven feet tall. He has been productive as a rim protector. He's been one of the better ones in the league so far. But going up against a guy like Nikola Jokic, like obviously that bar is going to be a little bit higher to where, yes, length and, you know, good timing as well is going to pay its dividends. But also when you got a guy like Jokic, you know, you have to be at the top of your game. OKC just really didn't have the body there to take him on to kick things off. They did have SGA though, and he was driving inside. He had seven points in that first quarter taking it into quarter number two 
And this is where you start to see the Thunder try to make some sort of move here. Jokic, though, still inching right inside of the basket. He had nine points in the second quarter. SGA had 10, though. He had the most out of any player in the second. And OKC had 42 points in the second quarter. Five of eight from distance, 11 of 12 from the foul line. And this is kind of where they have settled in. They are a scrappy team. They're looking for loose balls. They're looking for drives to the basket. And they are looking to space the floor out. They're going to make it difficult on teams in regards to whether to defend SGA on some of these drives or try to bring some help. When you bring in help, does it lessen the percentage of him making it? Of course it does. But also, he has turned himself into a major foul magnet. It is dangerous trying to help out. Not to mention, he's able to kick the ball out and try to produce in that way as well. So, you still have that sitting in the back of the Nuggets' minds going into that second half. And they still couldn't shut it down. SGA with 10 points in that third quarter as well. Lou Dort with 8 in the third and they take a commanding 34-15 to 15 push in that third quarter. Nikola Jokic still shooting magnificent from the floor, but just mitigating his ability to take those shots is what matters. If you're able to force the ball out of superstars' hands, particularly frontcourt superstars with this Thunder squad, that's going to be a good deal for you. And it paid off because they shot 0 of 9 from distance and they sat upon a lead going into that final frame. Now, here is where things get a little bit interesting. And this is where the stars come out. So, OKC basically running their traditional lineups here. SGA, he's trying to run the show, getting his big chunk of minutes. Lou Dort, Poku, and even JRE are playing close to 9 minutes in this quarter. And you start to see... The Nuggets play through their stars. In this game, Aaron Gordon and Nikola Jokic are their one and two. Jokic being the one, Gordon being the two. And Aaron Gordon looked possessed out there to close out this game. It didn't matter what he was looking at. The basketball was going in. In terms of the Joker, you already know he's able to create for so many different people, including Gordon. 10 points and five assists for him in the fourth quarter. Aaron Gordon... 17 points on 7 of 9 shooting in under 8 minutes of play. OKC was holding on. They were doing an excellent job trying to stay in, but it was one of those deals where you're playing a little bit of that tug of war, and slowly but surely that lead started slipping away. They lost their footing. Next thing you know, you're going into free basketball, going into OT. And it comes off of a 36-23 to 23 frame. SGA went 0-5 in this fourth quarter. And, and what was interesting was Isaiah Joe played almost half of this fourth quarter. And he was the one who really kept them alive in this game. The Nuggets had a pretty commanding lead in the closing minute. Taking it from one possession to two possessions. And needs some resurgence. OKC looked like they were waving the white flag. And then Isaiah Joe was able to get a three-point shot off a steal. Left wing. Good to go. Closes that gap down. And that was really the play of the game to take you into that overtime period. 
here is where you start to see a little bit of things rub off. And the Thunder just could not get anything to go down in this OT frame. They ended up losing this one 131 to 126, but there were a lot of good takeaways from this contest. Looking at the overall box score, no surprise, Nikola Jokic, 11 of 15. He had 39 points, 10 rebounds, and 9 assists. Aaron Gordon with 31 points and 8 rebounds in his own right. And a triple-double from Bruce Brown with 17 points, 13 rebounds, and 10 assists. That's what they were playing through. Blacko Kankar, though, was really the, the wild card in this game, uh, which kind of tilted the scales in their direction. OKC intentionally started bringing bodies inside. They're trying to stop the front court of Aaron Gordon and Nikola Jokic, particularly down the stretch. They left Kankar open in the corner, and he made them pay. 19 points to his name, 3 of 10 from distance, so you can take that as a bit of a win right there, uh, but that's just kind of the trade-off that you have to make when you are undersized. For OKC, though, SGA still dominant, 31 points and 11 assists in this game. You look at some of the other players as well, Lou Dort, 18 points and 7 rebounds, Poku, efficient 5 of 8 from the field, had 3 blocks to go along with his 13 points. Josh Giddy, 12 points, really did not shoot well, and he's been on a bit of a slump from distance. In the closing segments of the game, Dagnall elected to keep Giddy in, which, because of his passing ability, that's a major plus, but the 3 ball just was not sinking they were allowing him to take those shots, and he just was not converting. So that's what led this into extra minutes. This is what led this to, you know, your final decision here. Uh, but, you know, credit to Mark Dagnall for being confident when these guys are going through slumps. This is something that routinely happened in the last two years, and, you know, he is not afraid to let them deal with those growing pains. And for Giddy, I'm sure he'll be back in action. He'll be good to go. The passing has still been solid. Turnovers have also been there as well so I think a lot of it just comes down to getting out of that if he gets back to his regular motions he will be good to go yet again the star of this game though Isaiah Joe 21 points in 21 minutes for him 7 of 10 from distance and I was doing some research on this when the final horn sounded just because I think a lot of these stats are cool and particularly Isaiah Joe is one that just snags all the very interesting ones, at least the ones that I find to be very interesting. Fourth player in Oklahoma City Thunder history to nail seven three-pointers in a game, and those are the only field goals made. No two-point shots go in. One instance with Danilo Gallinari, he had seven made field goals. All seven were triples, but he also got to the foul line. If you're going to take him out of the conversation, only Isaiah Joe, Terrence Ferguson, and Alex Abrines have recorded this stat line. Take it as you will. I still think it's very, very impressive for Joe. And this is not the first time that he has just been crazy efficient. To close the game, fourth quarter and overtime, he was their second best option. And at times, he was the number one guy. He has that sixth sense in him, almost, where he is able to just convert off of step backs and just moving three-pointers. Very, very hard to teach that. Trey Mann is one who can pop off as well. It wasn't really his night, 
Uh, but that's the beauty of this team, and, and that's the beauty of adding another guy like Isaiah Joe, where you could almost make the case they're interchangeable in terms of archetype between himself and Trey Mann. Either of them could go 2 of 10, they also could go 8 of 10 from the field, and you really wouldn't bat an eye to it. Isaiah Joe was the one who was hot. Because of that, you give him the minutes, and he has turned himself into a very interesting part of this Thunder rotation. Because of how things are mapped out, you don't have that constant minute flow for him right now. But if he keeps impressing in these opportunities, you would have to imagine 10 minutes a game would not be the craziest thing to envision, especially when a lot of that comes from downtown. And OKC, they tend to struggle from downtown as as well. I mean, in this one, if you were to take him away, they would have shot 9 of 30 from downtown that's not where you want to be at he was a commanding presence sga2 14 of 14 from the foul line he has put on an absolute clinic from the charity stripe so far this season upcoming the okc thunder have a meeting against the houston rockets this one could have a lot of different implications draft picks included so that is most definitely a game you guys would like to keep your eyes on Anyways, though, if you guys are interested in going over to DraftKings Sportsbook, go ahead and download the app now, sign up with code TBPN, place a $5 pregame money line bet on any NBA team to win their game, and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's promo code TBPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details continuing along guys with the okc thunders the latest stretches of games end up playing against the denver nuggets goes to overtime does not go their way they had their meeting yesterday against the chicago bulls and this is one that you also really did not want to take your eyes off of different type of setup here No real major injuries on either side. Lonzo Ball, of course, he has been sidelined indefinitely for a while now. But in his place, you got Ayodosumu, Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, Patrick Williams, and Nikola Vucevic as your starting five. That is a really solid group to be fielding. And even off the bench, you're still getting guys like Kobe White, Alex Caruso, and Andre Drummond in the mix as well. For the Thunder, still running out the same lineups, basically. SGA, Josh Giddy, Lou Dort, Jalen Williams at the starting four, and Alexei Pokushevsky. They have done a lot of tinkering in terms of the starting five, so Jay Will, or excuse me, Jay Dub starting isn't the craziest of things, but it's very interesting to see him getting those minutes, getting it, you know, this soon and playing in a front court position. Defensively, at six foot six with a seven two wingspan, he is able to play multiple positions. Um, I do think that you know this was a game, at least positionally, you would like to bring a guy such as J Dub into that starting lineup. That's exactly what Mark Dagnalt's elects to do in this one. Kicking it off in the first quarter of play, though, I mean there is a lot of star power that you will find with guys like Levine and DeRozan. DeRozan was the main one. He had eight points in the first quarter. Nikola Vucevic as well. Six points to go along with three rebounds. All things considered, not too bad when you're looking at how they played on the defensive end. 
In their previous matchup, Nikola Jokic really could get anywhere he wanted to on the interior. He's a different player, very different player from Nikola Vucevic, but the point still stands where, you know, interior bigs are going to give them problems until they're able to get someone like Chet Holmgren back in the rotation, but they didn't really make Vucevic a major, major issue. They kind of limited him and forced them to spread the basketball around. That's exactly what they needed. On the other side, the Thunder doing exactly what they need as well, playing through SGA. Big time first quarter for him. He had 12 points, played the entire first quarter, 5 of 7 from the floor, and 2 of 2 at the foul line. I mean, it sounds crazy, really just playing through one guy, maybe setting a screen or letting him just ISO to the basket. But it makes a lot of difficult decisions when the whistle is going your way. And SGA has just found the way to get the right blow on that whistle basically every time to where there are multiple different layers to his type of game. What I really stressed last year was there are like three different dynamics to SGA. And he really needs to check two boxes to have a good game. Three of three is going to be a great game. The first one is just getting to the basket, getting those layups to go inside. Second one, getting to the foul line consistently because he is a very solid shooter there. Third one, just hitting the three ball. Most of the time, you're not going to get that third level of him just shooting it from distance. But with those two out of three, you have a very good base for a big time game. And that's what's going to put them in contention to win some of those toss ups. When SGA is on par with those two out of three, three out of three, I would say is going to win it most of the time because you really can't just play through him. It's going to be a very tough task for a lot of the opposing side. Going into that second quarter, though, still fairly close. I mean, it was a two-point margin uh, after 12 minutes here, going OKC's direction. Gets completely knotted up by half, in large part due to Zach Levine's nine points in the second quarter. And OKC sourced a very interesting option in Darius Baisley in quarter number two. He played nine minutes in the second quarter. And he has been inconsistent on the offensive side. That's not uh, a new development, I would say. Uh, But when he is able to get inside and he's able to really shoot as as well, um, that's where you're going to find that sort of success where you might have seen flashes of it, particularly in his rookie season. You know, he is a solid ball handler. But the problem is when you have defenders just sagging off, into the abyss, letting him shoot three-pointers all he wants, and he cannot convert there, it's going to lead to some issues. It's going to lead to some bad attempts if he is looking to drive inside. So either you take the shot, or you're going to kick it out after hesitating for a little bit. And you don't want to settle on low-percentage shots, but if it's a wide-open shot, you should be taking that um, and just kind of seeing where that goes. He went two of three from distance. That's really what opened up the inside for him as well to end up leading everybody in points for that frame when, you know, a guy like SGA didn't really play too much after playing 12 minutes in the first quarter. You need to give him a bit of a time to sit back and relax. That is exactly what Mark Dagnall did with the rotation. And then you throw him right back in action for quarter number three. Plays all of the third. No field goal makes to show for it, though. He got to the line, hit all four of his free throws, And it didn't matter, actually. (laughs) Um, The Thunder had 
plenty of different guys that they could find the basketball, you know, who, who could really score with the basketball. And that's what makes this team so beautiful when you have multiple options on top of what you could already have in terms of that interior game. J-Dub is the one who stood out to me. I mean, he did a great job on cuts. He did a great job cutting to the basket. Even in their previous game against the Nuggets, he almost had a potential dagger off a backdoor cut. It just did not go his way. And then in this one, 3 of 4 in the frame. JRE, 2 of 4 in the frame. Just multiple different efforts to get you uh, across the boundary line when someone like SGA is not, you know, super efficient from the floor. Lou Dort, though, 5 of 6 from the foul line. Just so many free throw calls for the Thunder. That makes it very difficult for the Bulls camp. And they ended up taking a 7-point deficit going into the final frame. This is when, once again, it gets crazy, just like it was in the last game. Zach Levine emerges for 12 points in the fourth quarter. OKC really didn't have that number one guy they threw many different faces in there Isaiah Joe included he went 0 of 2 in the fourth Trey Mann they threw him in for five minutes even Baisley was getting some action but they could not fend off the Bulls and get the win at least in regulation it goes to extra minutes for the second game in a row put five on the clock and you get more interesting basketball right here The Bulls played through their star. OKC continued to just spread things out. And OKC is ultimately the one coming on top. DeMar, all nine points for the Bulls in extra minutes. For the Thunder, 13 points, seven of which coming from the free throw line. And SGA was so clutch going into OT. He didn't hit a field goal. But he got to the line. Five free throws for him. He has been lights out. This is why you practice free throws. Because you can get into moments like these. You can ice the game out. And you can pick up big time wins against a Bulls team. Which you shouldn't really be scoffing at. 123-119 win for the Thunder in this one. I want to throw a quick nod to the OKC Blue as well. Because... They also had a game that came down to free throws earlier this week against the Salt Lake City Stars. DJ Wilson hit two free throws to give them a one-point win. This is a team uh, in the blue with Wilson and Jay Will together. DJ is more of a center at the G League level, but he moves to the four spot at the NBA level just due to size. Uh, but he's had to play at the four because of Jay Will. And it has taken some growing pains, I would say. He hasn't been dropping, you know, 20 and 10s like he's been used to. But he had 24 in the game against the Stars and those two big-time free throws. And when you're looking at that Stars team, I mean, they have a pretty good grouping there. In particular, you're looking at Paris Bass, who I thought had a chance to actually crack an NBA roster. Uh, going into this year and also Tyler Cook who was another probably top 15 center you're gonna find in the NBA G League so this is an elite type of front court that they were able to dismantle so major major props to the blue and how they were able to accomplish that I want to circle back though to Isaiah Joe and just how his play 
affects what you look at in terms of this rotation. And he had 21 minutes against the Nuggets, 15 minutes against the Chicago Bulls, 8 points in the last game against the Bulls. All of his shots came from distance, 2 of 6 from distance, and 2 makes from the free throw line. He is another type of microwave guy where a lot of his buckets come off the dribble. Yes, he can look to pass, but I think in particular, he is a shot creator. He is looking to put the ball in the basket when the ball first comes in his hands. And with Trey Mann, one thing in his rookie campaign that was noted was he's very good at scoring the basketball, but sometimes he'll drive inside. You might have someone to dish out in the corner. He's still going to take that shot instead. With Joe, we do not have as large of a sample size, but he is one of those types where he is looking to, once again, take those shot attempts uh, when it is possible. It comes with some major, major upside though. He was able to sway some games. That Dallas game should just be credited to Isaiah Joe and how he closed things out. I mean, those final four minutes of regulation, let's call it what it is. It was garbage time. You know, you're throwing in your second units. You were just trying to give people on court minutes and he just completely changed the narrative and turned it into that overtime game where He's the ultimate X factor. He was an X factor against the Nuggets, even though he did not, you know, carry them to victory. They ended up losing by five points in that game, but 21 points in 21 minutes, just popping it from downtown, that carries a ton of value. And the OKC Thunder have options from distance. You need to remember, I mean, they signed Lindy Waters to a two-year, two-way contract, which... You don't see those a ton. They they happen, uh, but that was for a set reason. It's because they still needed to fill out that three-point role. Paul Watson Jr. was given that position to start last year. He really could not live up to the expectations. That's why they moved in Lindy. He looked good, uh, and, and he's still a much different player than what you have in an Isaiah Joe, of course, but now you look at it as, you know, if we're looking for three-point players, is it Lindy or is it going to be Isaiah? You know, if, if you're looking for a microwave type of guy, Trey Mann or Isaiah Joe. The pecking order still has Trey Mann as that sixth man. He hasn't done anything to make him lose that spot. He's going to continue to get those minutes. The more important thing, what happens to guard position number four? Because there is a ton of movement that could happen along this roster. Aaron Wiggins is the notable player who has been shifted in and out of rotations when he is by all means, a constant player on this roster. He's going to give you about the same stat line um, regardless on a game-in, game-out basis, and it's going to be a positive one nine times out of ten, really. So you kind of throw in that risk factor, throwing in guys that could really have polarizing shot charts on any given night, uh, but with someone like you know Isaiah Joe, that polarization leads to you know those massive, massive highs, if you will. And they're going to look to continue giving him minutes. You know, I, I don't think Dagnall would have any other, you know, any reason to boot him out. If there's injuries, I think guaranteed he locks up that, you know, fourth guard position. But looking at it just from the outside looking in, I mean, it is a cutthroat rotation. Teo Maladon and Ty Jerome uh, were in my mind, fighting for that fourth guard spot, but then J-Dub came in and took it. That pushed them out. That got them waived. J-Dub is not really locked into that two guard, but I don't think anybody really is. Like I said, Aaron Wiggins, I mean, he's not really a two guard, 
we saw him starting at the power forward position last December. So it's more of a fluid deal, two through four, I'd say, in that second unit. But Isaiah Joe is the one that is coming in and kind of bringing those major, major fireworks offensively that this team really can use in particular because their three-point play the last couple of seasons have been in like historically bad. Last year, they were second worst all time since tracking began about nine seasons ago in terms of catch and shoot threes and they were only one tenth of a percentage better than the absolute worst that came from a Detroit Pistons team led by Josh Smith and they shot half as many attempts as the Thunder team did last year with SGA being so dynamic inside you need to have catch and shoot threats Isaiah Joe is more of a guy that comes off the ball but most definitely he can come off the catch as well and that gives him that really alluring potential that you want to, you know, continue to pump out some minutes for him. I want to say at the G League level, Jemias Ramsey has been just torching teams up. He started out playing on the bench when all the assignments were on board. Now he's starting even when assignments are coming in and out of the rotation, dropping 20 points a game. That's no big deal for him. And you got to remember, he's only 21 years old. But with Ramsey... I don't think OKC, uh, the Thunder at least, would be the ones that would pick him up on a two-way contract based on the fact that they already have so many guys very similar to him, and he is almost the SGA of the OKC Blue, where they are spreading the court out, they're letting him slash the basket, and he's either getting fouled or he's getting a shot going down uh, for them, but there's just such a high usage there to where I don't know if you know they would want to necessarily pick him to be someone that slots in. I think most of the G League call-ups we've seen so far this year have actually come from more low-maintenance players that might get you 12 points in games, but their primary role comes from you know cleaning the glass up and playing some good defense. Ramsey is capable of that, uh, but if he's going to get a two-way deal, it's probably going to come from another team. And as a former second-round pick, I still think there's some value there to where teams are still interested it's just who is going to pull the trigger on a player such as Ramsey in this current moment. I don't think it's going to be the Thunder. I don't really think they're going to touch their two-way situation right now, especially after Isaiah Joe has just locked up this 15th spot. You know, initially the idea was, hey, Lindy Waters should get promoted up, give him that 15th spot and open up that two-way. I don't think there's an open door on two-way deals right now. I think Eugene has played at a high level. Lindy Waters is still fulfilling his role as a three-point shooter. And Isaiah Joe is just checking everything that you could have asked for and more, uh, especially given the fact he was waived basically right before the regular season started. So they, you know, have made a lot out of nothing, just panning diamonds left and right here. And I don't really know if there's a, a vacancy that one these guys could fill Let's say if Eugene continues to play this way, is there a spot where he gets promoted to? Who gets pushed out? I don't necessarily think there is that you know open Jenga piece anymore. I think a lot of it is kind of set in stone right now, and they are doing a spectacular job. They're going to be going up against the Houston Rockets tonight. They just came off of a very interesting game where Trey Young and DeJounte Murray were really, really feeling it. They had a major lead, and they were letting the Rockets know but Jalen Green ended up leading the way for Houston. He had 30 points in the comeback win. And online, you know, there's drawing back and forth between both sides. 
They are, by all means, hot right now. Red hot. OKC just came off a very good win. So this will be a very interesting matchup. There's a lot of players on the injury report. Alperin Sengun being the big one. I think he could be a determining factor in this game. We will see how that looks. And as we get those results in, I will make sure to keep you guys posted on Twitter and over here on the pod. That's going to do it for today's episode, though, guys. I thank you all for listening, and I will talk to you all next time. See ya.